This March, I'll be launching a special run of episodes called Theory in the Flesh. I borrow the term Theory in the Flesh from and with gratitude to our feminist and QTPOC elders to draw attention to the health inequalities and disparities experienced by queer black people in the UK. Theory in the Flesh is made possible because of funding from the British Podcast Awards Fund and the Wellcome Trust, and they have created a survey to better understand listener appetite for health and research-related podcast content. I would be so grateful if you could take a few minutes to fill out the survey. Alongside showing support for Busy Being Black, you'll be able to enter yourself into a draw for tickets to this year's British Podcast Awards. Head to podcastviews.com to fill out the anonymous and data-protected survey. Busy Being Black is the podcast exploring how we live in the fullness of our queer black lives. These are conversations at our intersections and an opportunity for us to hear firsthand from others in our community how they have learned and are learning to thrive. If you like what you hear, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so lets others like us hear the voices amplified here. P.J. Samuels is a poet, educator, and LGBTQ human rights activist whose work interrogates issues of race, gender, patriarchy, identity, and belonging. I first encountered her searing, moving, and beautiful poetry in the Sista Anthology, a collection of essays and poetry from women-loving women of African and Caribbean descent. She is an emotional and intellectual force. Today, we discuss her relationship to God and with Christianity and the way both religion and blackness have historically been weaponized against black people. She elaborates on her refusal to make her life and her blackness performative, and how she does this through a tenacious yet gentle pursuit of joy. She takes us back to her origins in rural Jamaica, and then explores how her experience as a refugee made her reevaluate all of her relationships. We then go on to discuss how she remembers to engage her wonder and her curiosity, and her thoughts on roots, freedom, and love. This conversation is big. Big, 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 and it is beautiful. There are some long pauses throughout this conversation because PJ literally rendered me speechless with her thoughts, passion, intellect, and her absolute commitment to black women. I think you're all going to really enjoy this conversation. I'm Josh Rivers, and I'm Busy Being Black with PJ Samuels. Thank you for having me. Um, first, I want to welcome the ancestors and give thanks to them for surviving and dreaming me, you, us, and for holding me and perpetually bringing me back to joy. And I invoke their help in being able to see when colonialism is weaponizing me against myself and my own. I want to give thanks to my mama and my papa for making me. But also, there are parts of me they didn't make. They happened anyway. And those parts love them too. Yeah, I, 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 I just wanted to That's a call. beautiful way to open the show. Yes. <laughs> and also, it's, it's, it's before I even start talking, I, I want to remind myself. Because my people are not about this black queer business and and depending on where you hold it it becomes a bit of a cock ring for your tongue and your tongue <laughs> gets rigid and gets in the way of truth you know so i have to remind myself that the parts of me that they didn't make are just as valid just as loved by me and love them too how often do you remind yourself of that every day pretty much because I kind of think that I live, I probably have always lived a rebel life. 
but I think I particularly live a rebel life. I think I don't think I ever adhere to any choices made for me outside myself. Mm. And it's not even a thought. It's 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 just what happens. I always am on the margins. And that includes possibly the way I was reared. I am a Christian and I don't think I am what anybody would think of when they're looking for Christianity. I am queer. And I actually don't think that's what anyone looks for. I am what anyone thinks of when they think of a black queer woman mm. from originally from Jamaica. You know, I think I challenge notions of stereotype over and over and over again. And I think this question of Christianity is interesting. You know, when I did the conversation with Reverend G. David McCauley last year, it's one of the shows that's had the most feedback from people. Mm-hmm. You know, people, listeners, were very interested in, passionate about questioning how we as black queer people occupy or hold a spirituality or a faith like Christianity. And so... I'm curious about how you found your space within it or how you've made Christianity work for you. Because I believe that God is for us. God is for all of us. And a lot of people who people use the Bible in the way they want. I usually say the Bible is it's not a book, it's a compendium. It's a collection of lots of books and lots of ancient writings. And anything you want to prove you can use it. And anything you want to disprove, you can use it. And you can always find what is convenient for you in it. And I, I kind of think that people use it as a weapon just in the same way my body is weaponized against myself by others outside myself. And people are always looking for something to, to get at you about. And it has been, it has done a lot of harm to a lot of people, and I acknowledge that. But also, where it dwells in me, I think it has also done a lot of harm to me. But also, it brings me back to a place of wholeness. It brings me back to recognizing the existence of a power outside myself. And why, while I am a Christian, I think I am more someone who believes there's a power outside myself and there are answers outside myself. They're provided for me and the universe is working in my favor. And I'm a Christian because that's what I was wearing. It's, it's, it's purely a, re- a result of proximity. Mm. You know, I'm mm. sure if I was in a different area and something else was offered, I probably would have gravitated towards that because I think that what holds us together, I don't think ancestor worship is any different from Christianity mm. in terms mm. of the tenets that hold it together, what it's meant to do for you, the way it holds you, the way it holds space for you to be your full self in this life, in any other life you've lived before and any other life you're going to live after. It, mm. it holds space and community for your vulnerability, but also for your power, for the ways you can step into yourself and be powerful because you are held together by something bigger than you. And I've also never thought about or heard anyone make the connection between how the black body is weaponized and how religion is weaponized. And I think that's such a fascinating parallel to draw. It is, though. Like, um, for me in particular, or people who look like me, I am an older, fat, black 
woman. My body is particularly weaponized against me. I am meant to, for example, on, on my social media presence, Instagram in particular, I am deliberately about minutia. It is a political, intentional presentation of self because it's almost as if black people particularly who look like me are only allowed space if I'm sh if I'm shown to be dieting or be radical or be just being able to exist in my joy in in little things I notice around it's just not if if that's your existence you're meant to be invisible and I I specifically I'm going to be invisible in my full self without even knowing there's an audience I will not make my life performative it's 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 an extension to the way our culture is demonized it's an extension to colonialism it's taking our dress taking our dance taking our languages and telling us that's bad black people are the only people i know who are told they're stupid if they don't speak english well no matter how many other languages you speak and how well you speak them if your english is not perfect it means you're not intelligent Anybody else can come from wherever they come from and not speak English well, and it's okay. But if you are a black person, it means you're stupid. Mm. And and those are the ways that, that black people are expected to perform and overperform and hyperperform. And then that is still weaponized against us, you know? Um, if I need something to make myself comfortable in a space... I'm asking for too much. Well, the same thing will be provided to somebody else without question. And it's it's just a constant way of making you feel that you are an encumbrance. You know, your presence mm. doesn't matter. You 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 shouldn't even be here, so you should be glad for space to exist and that should be enough. Where is your gratitude? Yeah, or um, if you are here, this is how we expect you to be. Yes. I like this idea of dr drilling down into the minutia. And if, the, if it's not performative then, what does drilling down into the minutia provide for you? Or how has looking at the minutia or recognizing it or calling upon it and sharing it, what has that done for you or what does it continue to do for you? Um, it's, it's really just about documenting my life as it stands. You know, without, without, because there are so many ways I could make it performative because of the various, the different ways I occupy space in public. I could choose to just be about poetry. I could choose to be about activism. I could choose, there are so many ways I could have been using it as a platform because it's a thing. If you have a voice, so much responsibility is placed on you. And I mean, but I have a voice. I mean, if you're someone who will speak out, and then the moment you accept those responsibility, people start defining what your voice should sound like, what you're allowed to say, and then people start feeding things to you that you should be concerned about, and, and you become a product. You know, you become, this is what you should do, and these are the things you should be fighting for, and you're fronting for everybody, and your own self gets lost in the mix, and then you find because... You have accepted in some way, whether overtly or covertly, these responsibilities placed on you, you start tailoring the way you behave in a way that match the expectation. Mm. And then there's a whole idea of black responsibility. While one person of any other race can do one thing, 
anything a black person does is about your whole race. Mm, and you should care about this because... Yes, yes. <laughs> you're black. Oh, God, they let down the race. <laughs> oh, I can't believe a black person did that. Oh, and, and you're not allowed to explore your own individuality in the way that please you, in the way that gives you joy. And for me, particularly at my age, I don't see why else I should be looking for but joy. You know, it's okay if other things happen along the way, but primarily I am about seeking, finding, creating, and dwelling in joy. So that's where I go. I go to the little things that please me, the little things that amuse me. Food. I love food. I'm not <laughs> supposed to love food, but I do. I'm not fat because of anything. I'm fat because I eat Mm. And I eat because I love food and I enjoy it. And, and you know, it's I am continually pleased and consider it a privilege that I was allowed to be human before I became black. Because I was reared somewhere. What I mean by that is, I'm speaking about the kind of political oppressive blackness that exists in England. Mm. Didn't exist in my childhood, didn't exist in my formative years because I moved along to England as an adult from Jamaica. Right. So it you're all black, but it's not it's not it's just like this group is female. It, it it's not a formative thing around which I'm supposed to display a particular personality type or I didn't look look around and you know everyone in authority was white and everything on TV was white. My environment reflected myself and I was allowed to just be and choose the ways I want to exist purely based on what pleased me or maybe different ways that I was motivated, different directions mm. in which I was pushed in terms of your family and education and that kind of thing as opposed to, you know, I became like stridently black when I came here because suddenly black became a thing that I'm supposed to be ashamed of. It became sort of the most significant part of who I am. My blackness and my queerness became representations of myself that I was supposed to own but also supposed to be a shame of in, mm. in in a sort of not it's it doesn't it isn't a smooth part of my personality. It's just another thing. It's a thing, and I, and it just it becomes something that you have to. I had to choose how I'm going to occupy this. Is is it going to be about the different ways that who I am is written outside myself in a way that is pleasing to the gaze of whoever can monetize me in the moment mm. or is this going to be just what brings me joy i always have to come back there because you know black joy is such a radical thing and such a taken thing even the things you actually really enjoy you'll be told that how could you even like that how could you want to do that how you know and no i do what pleases me mm. i've come to this conversation with really just some words that I thought we could kind of like dance around with because I want to get beyond, I want who you are to come out in a way that maybe is not necessarily made space for. So I'm gonna throw one of these words at you, roots. That's an interesting word. Um, it makes me think of so many things, of my own roots in terms of where I'm from but also about hair, because hair is such a political thing. And and about they 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 are there's a whole idea of women who probably dye their hair and what their roots look like. And 
So I don't know. It it's a word that really takes me to origins in various ways. Whether it's it's origin that's about me, or it's a it's origin of where various how various parts of me were formed. Some were formed because of joy, but how much of me is formed in resistance to mm. things that are trying to separate me in some way from my roots or to teach me in ways that the ways in which I'm rooted are not good. And it, it, it's, it's so much shame is fed into who I am, not in that individual kind of way as in who me personally am, but for example, I am from, not just Jamaica, but I'm from rural, 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 rural Jamaica. So I'm from deep beyond the back of beyond. And um, I think I mentioned feral. I, I grew feral. And I, I don't mean it in the way that, 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 this, that it's used to say, you know, I mean, I grew as a child close to the land that ran naked in the bush, literally. Like me and my brothers, there was no sort of a gender thing of you're the girl, you're the, we all just run. And, and when I say, I mean that literally. Far away in the bush, so we would get up in the morning, you do whatever it is you needed to have breakfast, do whatever your chores are. And we're off, we come back at sundown. And we would walk probably miles, go to the river, just just do, to me it's just what probably children did. But it, 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 we literally just ran wild in the bush. And when I say that, it still feels like a weird upbringing. Like, it pleases me greatly, but also I don't know if I as a parent could allow my child the level of freedom I was allowed. I know I couldn't. Mm. You said here that growing up feral represented both beauty and neglect. It did, because that we survived is more about what we learned. Because it's beautiful doing this. It's beautiful going away and sitting in the trees with my siblings, eating fruits, bathing in the river. All of that is just beautiful and it is as idyllic as it sounds. It's a wonderful thing. But also, like when your child goes away for the whole day and you're not quite sure what they've eaten or <laughs> you, you don't know, you see them again at sundown and then they leave again the next day. You're not quite, yeah, you feel relatively safe about it, but there's a certain amount of neglect in that where it's, it's, it's like they come in, they get washed, fed, put to bed. That, that's not, there's not that level of sort of a nurturing of what did you do today? What, you, you know what I mean? That, mm. that feedback of, it's almost as if the fact that you will go away means you're out from under my foot so I can get some things done. Right. And, and whilst that's not necessarily what was communicated, it, it does amount to that. It amounts to the fact that we were self-sufficient, was convenient. And that's not really care. That's, that's quite feral. That's you pretty much rearing yourself apart from the fact that you're fed and... So that's like a pet. That's like if you've got a pet, <laughs> you, you give it meals and you give it water and it pretty much gets older because time passes. No, no, you know, that, that's pretty much, <laughs> time passes, so it gets older. So that's not exactly care. Mm. Plus, we were dear devils. I, I mean, it amazes me that I've never broken a bone 
because everything I did could have killed me. We weren't being careful. We weren't. We were children, mm. free in bushes on our own. So it, there's going to be the whole competition: who can climb the tallest tree, who can go farthest out on the limb. All of that kind of madness. And when were you able to look back on that experience or this childhood, and recognize both its beauty and its neglect? Like, was there something that that made? Was there a, a formative moment? At which point you looked back and you said, ah, that's what that was. A lot of it, you know, is over time. It's things like living in London. I've never quite adjusted to city life in a lot of ways. In in a lot of ways, I'm still very country, very rural. Like, it's it's very hard for me to get to anywhere on time. And anybody who's dealt with me in sort of probably have had that experience and it's not that I don't try it's just like it it it's like something happens I don't know and I would think I've left on time and I would have been prepared but somehow I'm going to edge on the 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 side of being late Mm. and I think that's a reflection of coming from somewhere where time is immaterial nobody plans their life around time and the other thing is I get lost in London still on the daily and the reason why I mentioned these things is that I had myself convinced totally that I am utterly country. And then I went to the countryside and it got dark. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. <laughs> and there were insects and I couldn't stand it. And then it occurs to me that as an adult, I can't stand this and I wouldn't want my child in it. But I keep on thinking it's beautiful and um, it's kind of not. A lot of, of, of what is beautiful about the countryside is there being someone to do the grudge work. You, you know what I mean? Someone who's going to do the farm work, do, the, do all that stuff that I didn't have to deal with. So that's just it as well. Living that kind of life is hard. And as a parent, keeping life together is going to be difficult. So if your children are running together as a pack, and there were lots of us, there are nine people in my family, nine, nine of us in all, eight siblings, you kind of almost trust that the older ones will look after the younger ones, especially if no one is ever hurt, no one has a broken bone. So it's, it's, a, it's a nuanced thing, mm-hmm. you know, because also the level of responsibility that my parents had, I don't know that they could have given the kind of a moment-to-moment monitoring and still be able to manage enough to have the finances to educate us, to feed us. You know what I mean? There, mm. There's that balance. It's not the kind of place where you get a babysitter in. I guess the reason I ask is because the older I get and I look at my own childhood and also how I've turned out for better or worse... I'm finding different ways of speaking about what I experienced in ways that acknowledge the nuance, right? In ways that um, are kinder about my father and about my mother, in ways that are more defensive of me as a young child who expected and, and needed more. And so hearing you speak about you know, this idyllic but neglectful childhood, this, this freedom but this longing for more, for more emotion, more touch, more nurture, is has made me think about how we how we reckon with and speak about these childhoods mm-hmm. and, and how we incorporate yeah, what what we thought we lost or were missing in that moment into mm-hmm. into more. How I look at it largely is w- just by being kind to my parents because 
you know, were they nurtured? Do, do, you know, they, if they did the absolute best they can, it might have not been good enough for me. But I have to recognize that they did the best they could with the tools they had available to them. Mm. You know, within that, I find the capacity to be very kind about it. But also the process of, of um, being a refugee strips you all the way back to everything because it looks at pretty much all of your life, practically from birth up to that point where you're discussing it with someone. So it, 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 at the end of the process, I found myself questioning pretty much everything I, I thought I knew. So s through therapy, I sort of worked my way back, look at different relationships with different members of my family, what they meant to me, places where I completely decenter myself in the interest of being uh, an acceptable member of my family because that comes with a lot of rules. I once saw someone said my name was not, my, their name was the only thing their family ever gave them without expecting something back. Hmm. I, I, I challenge <laughs> that because I kind of think they had a name that was seemingly female. And I kind of think even your very name that your family give you it's with expectation of payment because if they have assigned you female at birth mm. and give you a name that's meant to be aligned with that, that's still an expectation that you will perform femininity. So mm. even in your name, an expectation is built. And in places where you're named for your father and you're named for not, not just the surname, but like people who get junior and mm. all those things. And you're meant to be, I'm so proud of, you know, your achievements is what is recognized. And as opposed to just your existence, you spend your whole time asking a child, what are you going to be? And I always question that child already is, you know, mm. how much time have you spent engaging with, this child, this fully formed, complete person that is not about molding them into something else. How much time have you spent getting to know who they are now without needing to factor that into who they're going to be? I feel like you're speaking to the child within all of us when you ask those questions. Hmm, possibly. And, I don't know and if that's within true. me. And I, I and I see a lot of it as well. Parents in particular, I see do things that I just consider where like they don't remember what it's like being a child like in a child everything is monumental there's no balance mm. there's no there's no little bit of you know everything is big so when a child is is like really big about something as opposed to being rather than be sort of reassuring there's a notion to go oh that's not anything mm. and i kind of think that people don't remember that there's no such thing as not anything when you're at an age where you're not yet capable of managing your emotion so what that does is silence you and dismiss your feelings that rather than teach you how to handle and manage things and there's a lot of shit that is modeled for us. And a lot of things, a lot of ways that people replicate behavior because somehow in their own adulthood, they seem to have completely lost what it felt like to be a child. How do you hold on to what it felt like to be a child? Or that wonder, right? Or the bigness or the curiosity or that fearlessness that you mentioned, right? It was always about who could climb the highest or out on the furthest limb. How do you, how do you keep that, hold on to it? I don't know. I, I suppose because I live in that. I live in this space of wonder all the time. And 
little things surprise me and little things delight me. And like I said, I, I, I dwell in the minutia. Because there's the push, there's the whole sort of a capitalist push to be more, get more, have more. And, and sometimes in that we lose who we are and we lose the joy we would get from the little things because we can't pause long enough to get them. I tend to, I am delighted by silly things and that's, that's just the truth. And and everything's a wonder, and everything is wonderful, and and everything's amazing, and you know what I mean. Like just even your simply existence, taking in breath and letting that out. Like I have asthma. When I can't breathe, it's hell. Mm. So even simple things like being able to breathe in and out is something we sort of take for granted as an easy capability. It is very much a wonder, and the more we sort of look at the little things that make us and the little things that gets us through the day and the little ways we survive, particularly as black people living in white under white tyranny. We're amazing. We're amazing. We are just such wonderful beings. We are. I have another word for you, but I wonder if you have something to read. All these things are meant to love because you told me to. The kalaloo that tastes like nothing, fish, School, the teachers, church, the preachers, correction. It's meant to make me grow. It really just destroys my confidence. Laughter, cats, dogs, donkeys, flowers, crotons in particular. Roses have never been your thing. You're a sucker for a pretty leaf, being handy, knowing where my food comes from, growing it, my hair. You have always fiercely loved my hair. You hated when I cut it off, was bitterly disappointed when I straightened it. You don't like dreads, but you've told me my hair is beautiful. I say thank you, quickly. I fear where the conversation could take us, the boys, the girls, the men, because I should, you, love. I lick cashew seeds, though their stain burn my lips and make them sore, run my tongue over them. I love the fruit. I choke on thinking toe as the dust congeals in my throat and blocks my airway. It's sweet. I beat an almond pod with a stone for ages, trying to find the right angle to open it, persist even when I miss and smash my fingers. I love the seed inside, and love is always worth it, right? There's no too much I won't do and no so little I won't accept. I love you. I want to be you with my every breath. I ate the compromises you lived, and I have the strength they nourished. I am now older than you were when you fed me these things. I farm at a supermarket counter. I read the labels. Is that what redemption tastes like? I give too much. My legs. My hairy skin. You love these things openly, loudly. Busy tea. It's meant to knock the poison out. I don't think she loves me. There's a chalk line marked around where I stand and there's lead in the sole of my shoes. You have always been proud of how strong I am. It's a front, a veranda. I lay all the muddy things there until the rain stops and the sun shines through again. Sometimes it storms in. Sometimes it floods everywhere. Sometimes there is no shelter in strong, no salvation. Her every word is a prayer. She says she loves me and I take anything, anything. Like you, I have no idea what love means. And it's interesting how many sort of little things we're taught to put too much effort into. 
and to go back again and again and again because the end is suppo supposed to be worth the means and it could take us quite a lot of pain and wasted effort before we realize that you know i think it was tupac that says sometimes you just i don't remember what the exact quote but something along the lines of sometimes you can't fix shit you just gotta go fuck it and move on <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. and in life we are we are like that we stick in these jobs we we, we we're not that's not working for us. We, you know, in a way, it really lots of the ways we've been taught by our parents, whether we've been taught or modeled. And I say parents, I mean caregivers, whoever is sure. that influences our life as we're growing. Um, we they model sticking around shit too long, or just dysfunctional ways of coping with stuff, and. We may be told a different way, but we're watching you do this shit. <laughs> and yeah. we, we we then grow up. And these are the models we perpetuate because these are the models we've absorbed often without realizing that we have. Oh, and we're trying to be ourselves within these molds that were never designed for us because they're not ours. Well, mm. yeah. Mm. <laughs> I just thought of us trying to squeeze ourselves in it to take the, mo the, you know, the broadest example, trying mm. to squeeze ourselves into this kind of heteronormative mm. life environment, workplace. Capitalism. Yeah, and that it's not designed for us. The word, the other word I have written down is freedom. Freedom. Um, I don't know what that word means. Like, I wrote in something that I, I have accepted I'll only be free when I'm dead. Because I always know that however free I think I am and what levels of freedom I can claim within the ambit of my functionality are still tied to strings visible or invisible and if those strings are removed i will still crash if i buy a place i I'm, if i don't pay the taxes on it or whatever it's still not mine you know what i mean mm. what what does freedom mean what 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 does it mean because to me the time i was most free was probably running around in those hills with my siblings climbing on the barbed wire fence and the rest, you know, eating fruit from the trees and, and that kind of thing. But that freedom was still dependent on the string of my parents providing a place for me to sleep, providing a meal when I get in. And if they should have been removed from that, what would my life have been? So it, it, to me, freedom is this tenuous thing that is always, that's why I don't speak on freedom much. I tend more to speak on joy. Mm. It's about finding joy within the freedom I'm allowed. Because if I keep looking to be more free without finding joy, I can extract all the joy from whatever current freedom I enjoy. I'm so glad I mentioned that word. Because... <laughs> One, that's beautiful way of looking at it. But two, I obviously projected onto your poetry, right? Because I, um, I was reading the Sister Anthology again, you know, and revisiting mm. your beautiful contributions to that. Thank you. And I sensed freedom. I felt, ah, she's working towards freedom. What she's talking about, this, this love, this self-love, this 
you know, I hope you love some, I, I hope you love a woman hard and I hope that woman's you, right? I was like, oh, that's a sense of freedom. But I think I projected that freedom onto it. What you're probably writing about is actually, as you said, joy. Yeah, I, I, you see, I think, I'm sure that it's, it's, it's built in a framework of freedom. I have to have the freedom to love like that. But as somebody in Jamaica who loved like that when I wasn't free to, when I could have died any minute, because I love like that, I still love like that. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. so it, 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 I will extract the freedom that I need to find the joy that makes my existence worthwhile. But it might not always look like freedom. And, and I'm willing to accept that. And I do find as well, when, you, when, when I function in pursuit of joy and finding joy within the freedom, I am more likely to extract freedom from a situation that was not meant to be free. Because if, I, if I'm not finding joy in it, I'm going to find another way, which also then frees me from the situation that was oppressing me and getting in the way of my joy. So a pursuit of joy for me does automatically create a pursuit of freedom. Yeah, but a pursuit of freedom doesn't necessarily mean joy, right? No, that, that can no. be quite oppressive and quite no. painful because if when, when it's a pursuit of freedom, you tend to see more why you're not free. Does that make sense? You tend Say to then again. look at the, at the items that you're trying to liberate yourself from. Oh, like there's always one more. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. So you, it, it, particularly the way I function, I already accept that because I'm in this body, meaning black female presenting human, and I'm at the bottom of the pole in terms of the way that oppression is layered. Um, there are lots of things that I'm not going to be free from, and I have to deliberately seek to find joy, which means that I am going to step on the ways they're oppressing me because that does not give me joy without necessarily mm. looking for it. But I'm going to find it anyway because it's going to be in my way and I'm going to have to get past it to find my joy. And I am going for my joy because that matters to me. You're really blowing my mind. It's a remarkable way to look at it. And it's made me think of Kevin Quarshie's The Sovereignty of Quiet. And he's written this wonderful, beautiful rumination mm. on blackness. And he said, you know, his argument is that so much of blackness is this public protest, that blackness is always already a fight for freedom. Mm. And that what we're missing within that is that wildness of the interior, is the richness of the emotional life, is the pursuit of joy is the quiet consideration, is the focus on the detail and the minutia. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're speaking at the moment about, about joy, and right? About, that's in my way. That's in the way of my joy. How do I get around it? Yeah. And I think that is, that is a, it stopped me in my tracks, right? It's such a beautiful way to look at freedom or indeed the pursuit of what we love. Thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so. I, know. I mean, have you seen black bodies move when music starts that the owner of that black body loves? Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God, it's just, 
it's poetry it's it's everything it's 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 an orchestra it's like 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 to look at a black woman isolate her waist and move just that like there is no spine that connects it to the rest and there are no legs that connect it to the ground just the waist isolate from the hip to the there and then the buttocks just like Mm. like i i spend a lot of time with women and we dance and it's just it's just amazing just just the joy even without participating just being in that space is such tangible joy you can touch it feel it pulsating in the room and to me that matters you know talk to me about love Love, um, for self, for me, love is something that is about me. It's, it's, it's the place that I see myself. If I don't feel myself, I can't love someone else. Mm. So for me, it's about having constants, having knowing where I sit with myself and keeping that as a good thing and in a good place. That is how I will know if someone is crossing my boundaries. And that's love. I, I love me very much. So, you know, um, let me share this. Probably last week, last week, somebody who is in the sphere that I function said to me that they don't dislike me. I actually um, did a thing and I, I didn't post it. Said they just want me to understand that they don't dislike me. And um, uh, there, there is some context. Cause we've sort of, we, we, we literally spend a lot of time in the same space. And um, we've had a bit of a run-in. But I, I, I said to him, I've, I've never thought of it. And I just, I've, I, I, I did record, I am, you know, <laughs> I never gave that person the amount of thought I gave them on them wanting to, and they were warm and beautiful and they just really wanted to communicate to me that they do not dislike me. But it really made me think about the fact that if I love myself completely and I know where I stop, and you start, and if I need to establish that with you because you've sort of stepped too much into my space, people go away thinking that that's an emotional reaction. That's about me thinking they don't like me. No, it's not, it's not about feelings at all. I love me, and this is me, and this is all of my space. And if you're in it, you know, I'm going to you know, move you on out. It's not, it's not, I don't then think you don't like me, or it's not that I don't like you, or... It's none of those are are considerables in that, you know, Mm. considerations, you know, they're not, they're not items to consider, you know, and I'm still going with considerables, you know, (laughs) much as it's not a word, you know, they're they're, they're not, they're not things you, you shouldn't be here. And, and, and that's all it is. And it, it, it doesn't matter who you are. So the idea of love for me 
is about where I place myself. And that is, it's from there that I will see other people. Because if somebody else move mad, I can't die. You know what I mean? If somebody doesn't not do what they're supposed to do, say it's, it's, it's love in a situation where we're lovers, where we're partners, and you've done something you shouldn't do. I can't allow myself to die. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can't be that, oh, I'm crushed. I'm going to die because you didn't do what you're supposed to do. But I, it's cheating or what have you. I use cheating loosely because I, 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 I don't really believe in fidelity. So that, But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you function outside of the agreed context sure. of our <laughs> association yeah, whether or not can you've, be paid you've for consciously agreed <laughs> to whatever that, yeah. we agreed to <laughs> and what is most annoying about that sometimes is i will probably not care what you do and i find that people that bothers people they want me to care so i will be observing these rules purely to satisfy you, and then you don't. And that is what is most annoying because I wasn't making these rules for you. You were free. Why didn't you take your freedom? It's almost as if people need you to need them more than you need yourself. And to me, that's not love. So for me, love is about who I am, where I place myself, how I look after myself first and foremost. And from there, how I interact with other people, what emotions do I invest in other people, how much do I other pe- allow people, other people to cross my boundaries you know that's that's for me what love is is about how i manage this entity which is the only being i have this is the only thing that comes and goes with me wherever i go i can't leave myself so i've got to love myself first and foremost and that's the way that i prepare this to walk the earth and protect it that's what love is about for me I think it's difficult because as black women with the whole mummification, we're taught to look after everybody but ourselves and we're taught that we come last. And now that uh, feminine issues are the, just being a woman and feminism and all of that stuff is being weaponized against women where you're now expected. Men earn more and women are still expected to occupy all the domestic duties but go out and work and still pay 50-50 with men in the house or you know sometimes pay all of it and I'm speaking now particularly in heterosexual situations because that's very very much a thing where feminism is literally being weaponized against women and against black women in particular I am I am very even more particular about I want black women to know that they should love themselves and they're all that and nobody 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 should be allowed in your space that is victimizing you. And if you set yourself in the place where you're the domestic person for someone and also funding their life as victimization. Mm. It's not cute. It's it it's not it's it's just a way to weaponize the whole notion of women being strong. There was something from Bell Hooks um, that I stumbled across earlier. When feminists acknowledge in one breath that black women are victimized and in the same breath emphasize their strength, they are referring to the way in which they perceive black women coping with oppression. They ignore the reality that to be strong in the face of oppression is not the same as overcoming oppression 
that endurance is not to be confused with transformation. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm going. The whole, the whole idea of everyone thinking this is how much you can take and giving you more. You know, they've got that sign, if you want a job done, you should give it to someone who already have too much to do. <laughs> that, 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 that's a thing. <laughs> and um, that's black women. You always have too much to do. And if you're not careful, people will just keep piling more onto you. And the ability to stand up for yourself quite often is rooted in love, is rooted in knowing who you are, appreciate your being, and being able to know exactly where you stand, how you nurture yourself, what is good for you, and how you draw the line. And I know that that, that can be difficult in mm. this patriarchal white tyranny because survival is still a thing and capitalism is still shit. So, but people do take a lot that they don't have to, and particularly for fam from family. Family can be very toxic in terms of what they heap on you. Because the girls are expected to do everything and also do all of the actual care in, in a situation where that's necessary. It's, it's always on the girls. Black, she. Lather, rinse, repeat. I am black, baby girl born. I am nappy hair. I am nigger, pitney child. I am head tough. I am dark. I am old man's back pain. I am water scratch. I am, isn't she beautiful though? I am salvation. I am prophecy. I am chance. I am bootstrap you pull yourself up by. A melanin daughter, pretty for a black girl. I am pull and tug. I am war zone. I am trauma. I am do as you're told. I am sins and secrets. I am 4 a.m. broken. I am nervous tick. I am abdomen locked. I am tears and toilet. I am anxiety. I am body, your fetish. I am body, you sexualize. I am black girl twerking in white girl video. I am body, you commodify. I am body too fat. I am body occupy too much space. I am body too dark. I am body cover it up. I am body take it off. I am body take it off now. I am body for your gaze. I am body for your hands. I am body never my own. I am body never right. I am body black. I am body black and blue. I am body beaten with your hands, your lips, your lies, your whips. I am body contentious. I am body never simple. I am body for sex. I am sex on legs. I am sex in bed. I am sex on the countertop. I am sex bent over a chair. I am sex with boys. I am sex with girls. I am sex with girls who fuck like boys. I am sex with toys. I am naked picture on your wall. I'm notching your bedpost. I am symbol. I am a lady wouldn't do that though. I am get on with it. I am dinner ready. I am your ugly. I am your stupid. I am no one else will want you. I am black eye at five. I am walking to doors. I am fall downstairs. I am broken hand. I'm a shattered femur. I'm missing teeth. I am clumsy. I am accident. I am never again. I am I love you. I am you made me do this. I am apology and regret. I am tech sleep marked death. I am one hand washed the other. I am dialogue interrupted. I am silence. I am she asked for it. I am objectifying. I am water under your bridge. I am stereotype. I am cliche. I am childbirth. 
I am stretch marks. I am messy things. I'm happiness deferred. I'm sleepless nights terrified. I'm seeing hallelujah and fingers crossed. I am fervent prayers. A matriarch of black boys dead. I am coulda woulda shoulda. I am sorrow. I am bend and twist. I am stretch. I am folding on myself. I am gripping belly pain. I am him at the funeral. I am soliloquy. I'm in bed for six days. I am mental health intervention. I am pathology. I am prescriptions. I am self-medicate. I am the joke that hung around too long. Everyone had stopped laughing. I am thank God I'm not her. I am shame. I am carry the weight of the world. I am meritocracy. I am token. I am put your back into it, girl. I'm guilt and apologies buried. I am elegy. Attitudes. I am too little, too late. I am graveyard. I am tomb. I am rest. I am woman. I am resurrection. I am woman. I am life. I am woman. I am damn marvelous. Lather, rinse, repeat. I am black baby girl born. If we're not careful, we only ever rest when we're dead. Mm. And it's, 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 it's sort of important, you know, that the litanies which we occupy only make space for us when we're a body. You know, the world is very comfortable with black women dying. Possibly with black people dying in general. It's just, you know, it's it's nobody is bothered. It's just it's just another body. And we have to be very careful about making sure we claim our joy and hold it and live in it and dwell in it and, and you know what I mean, extract joy from our lives. Hmm. I typically usually end the show by asking my guests what they hope for. But for some reason it feels, I don't know, it doesn't feel like enough. And I think so much of this conversation today has been led by your spirit. And so I want to end on your spirit too. So I'm going to hand over to you. What I would like to end on is for a reminder to anyone listening to this, particularly if you're a black girl, to dwell in your joy, to claim and hold who you are, to walk in a room knowing that you belong there, you belong in all the spaces your ancestors paid for them with or blood and their very life, their sweat, their tears, they dreamt you and this belongs to you. Um, I'm going to read this. Mm. Dear black girls, Today and every day, I wish you a friend who will help you fake edges, who will tell you about ashy elbows and will have shea butter in her bag. I wish you wigs that stay on when you twerk. I wish you the courage to say fuck you and suck your mother more often than necessary. I wish you the freedom to decide necessary. 
I wish you the self-knowledge to own your blackness, even when you bleach, and to own natural however many implants you have and wherever your bundles came from. Because your self-love is wrapped in your own standards. And your roots are your roots, but you own the right to grow in unfettered directions. Because your roots are for nourishment, your roots are not chained. Your blackness is not a costume, and you are not for show. And how you present yourself is for your own appreciation. And those who think their gaze entitles them to have a say should suck their mothers. Document your life. Post your bathroom selfies. Show up for yourself and show off. I wish you love. The kind that will sustain you. The kind that will build you. The kind that will make room for your everything because everything about you is precious and your everything is lovable. Never let anyone make you think otherwise. However small, you squash yourself. Someone will think you're too much and sometimes that someone will be you. Don't believe it. You're not a star. You're a whole fucking constellation. Take up all the space and shine. You're a script here. And I believe in you. Your everything is lovable. And I just want to remind black girls, everything about you is lovable and everything about you is valid. And I want you to hold that close. And when you see another black girl in public, pay her a compliment and validate her. Because sometimes we don't always remember how hard it is to be young and just just be traveling the world is hard, you know. So pay a black girl a compliment. That's what I'm asking for. And that's where I want to end. Just a reminder that you are full, present, and human, and your ancestors are here with you, for you, and always standing in the way of things that are coming at you. And you should trust in that and step out on faith with confidence. PJ, thank you so much for being here and for being so generous with your spirit and your words and your life and your insight, I feel enchanted at the moment. I feel completely taken. Yeah, I'm I'm effectively speechless. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. PJ Samuels is a poet, educator, and LGBTQ human rights activist. Her work regularly interrogates race, gender, patriarchy, belonging, and identity. You'll find links to her work in the show notes. Busy Being Black is the podcast exploring how we live in the fullness of our queer black lives. Thank you to our partners, UK Black Pride and Blackout UK, and to you, the listeners. Remember this, your support doesn't cost any money. Retweets, shares, ratings, and reviews all help, so please keep the support coming. Finally, thank you to Anthony Giles, a queer black Grammy-nominated producer based in New York City for these bomb-ass Busy Being Black beats. Ashe. Festivities begin with a real five to seven foot Nordman Christmas tree for only £15. Home base feels good to be home while stocks last.